let's just pause in this moment and ask the Lord as we go before his word to bless us, to bless our hearts, to speak to our hearts. Let's not move out of this moment before we ask God to show us something powerful from these stories and from his word this morning. So would you pray with me? And God, we do ask for your blessing upon our lives, upon the lives of our children and their children, all the children of this great country, God, the children of Romania and Ukraine. God, we know, Jesus, that you came for the entire world. And so in this moment, as we step before your word, God, I just humbly ask you to speak to our hearts. God, please get me out of the way and allow your spirit to speak in a really powerful way this morning. God, I thank you so much for all the ways you continue to work. And I pray in this moment, you'll work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, I am so glad to be able to hang out with you guys this morning. If you don't know me, if you're new to our church, I'm Pastor Bo, the associate pastor here. And um, Romania, if you know anything about me, Romania has um, quickly become a place that I love. Um, I always say, God willing, we'll talk about this a little bit today. God willing, I'll never miss a chance to go back. Um, a place where time and time again, I've seen God work, but most of all, I've seen God work in my heart. And, and the, you hear Ray, amen, automatically, because if you go, or perhaps you've been in a place, not just Romania, in your life where you've experienced God's presence, I'm going to tell you something. When you experience it, you always want to get back to that point. It doesn't always have to be overseas. We're going to talk about that this morning. But there has to be moments in your life where you connect to your God in amazing ways. You don't want to miss out on what God's doing in your life. So it may not be Lugos, Romania for you in this room this morning. But I, I wrote down in my journal as we were there this simple, simple statement. Say yes to Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to talk about this morning what it looks like, what it means to say yes to Jesus. We're going to look at something Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, which I think will encourage your hearts that no matter if it's going to Romania, to Lugos, Romania, or perhaps it's something else. And I would challenge you that for this room, it's probably something else. We all cannot go. We understand that. The goal of the team this morning is not to convince you to go with us, although some of you might need to go. Um, we know that this room will not all be there, right? But the question before us all today is what are we putting our yes to? I actually made that instead of a life lesson today, I'd like to ask a life question. Where are you putting your yes? So we're going to ask that question this morning. And, and here's what we know. I kind of looked through some research this week on decisions, decisions making. And, and let me just say up front, as I Googled the web about decision making, you will see things quoted. There are no valid studies on these things. All right. So like, for instance, one common thing quoted when you Google decision making is that the average American makes 35,000 decisions a day. But you quickly learn that as you see that statement, there is no research backing up this, this thought, right? There's no real research tied to that. Somebody's just made that up. Because I, I saw that number, I was like, man, 35,000 decisions per day? 
Um, there's another web page that says you're going to have 70,000 thoughts per day. But again, I looked for the study, the university, the, the research back and I couldn't find that. But what I did find is two studies that I think will show you there are a lot of decisions we make though. The first study was this, Columbia did a study and they did some research on a, a small group of people. They tried to analyze what they thought per day. And at the end of the study, they concluded that the average person makes roughly 70 decisions per day was their research. All right. Cornell did another study about your food and we all make decisions about food here in America. Um, right now you're probably thinking, where are we going for lunch or what did I cook for lunch? Right. We constantly have to make decisions. I, I, as I thought about this study, my, my family, the worst thing when I get together with my parents is the question, well, what are we going to eat? Because no one wants to make that decision, right? Um, no one wants to actually make that call on what are we going to pick to eat? Well, Cornell said that we estimate that we make around 226 decisions per day on food alone. So let's give it a rough guesstimate of somewhere between 70 decisions a day to maybe 200 decisions a day. But let me just say this, when you wake up in the morning, you are making decisions and there's really only one of two answers you're giving those decisions. Yes or no. Yes, I will do this. No, I will not do that. If you're a person that likes to say yes to everything, guess what? You're saying no to other things. Some people say yes and commit themselves so much that they may not be saying no, but in their actions they say no because they can't fulfill all their commitments. You there with me? Some of you in the room, yesaholics in the room, right? You, you constantly say yes, but you can't meet up to expectations. We are a people that are faced with decisions each and every day. And as I was in Romania... As I encountered all the challenges to get back there in three years, the question before me was not just saying yes to Romania, although God put that on my heart for this year, but where are we putting our yeses and are those yeses ultimately going toward Jesus? And it's funny, as I, as I read through my Bible while I was overseas and I, I kind of had this question, I was looking into it a little bit, I found this passage by Paul. He's right in the church at Corinth and look at this this decision-making by Paul. Paul is in a moment where the church at Corinth is actually questioning his commitment to Christ because of his travel plans. The, he, he's changed his travel plans. He's changed his yes, so to speak, and he's being called on it by the church at Corinth. Look at what he says to the church there. Starting in verse 12 in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I may have misspoke. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's start in verse 12 together and read this. For our boast is this. The testimony of our conscience that we have behaved in the world with both simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And supremely so toward you, the church at Corinth is who he's talking to. We are writing not, we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand. And I hope you will fully understand just as you did partially understand us. That on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I facilitating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, 
Our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanius and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him, Jesus, it is always yes. All the promises of God find their yes in him, him being Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Well, Paul's right there. Paul's writing in this little, little letter. He has this, this thing that came up. He was going to visit uh, the church at Corinth after going to Macedonia, after his trip to Macedonia. And because of issues in the church of Corinth and because he wanted to em- embrace them, address them, help the church see a better way, he changed that from not just visiting them on the end of his trip, but on the first part of his trip. And, and you know, you heard Pastor Michael earlier talking about the questions we as pastors, the church kind of gets. Well, Corinth was doing the same thing back then as we do today. Why are you doing this? You said you were doing this, now you're doing that. That's not very God-like. Jesus said your yes be yes and your no be no. Why are you changing your plans, Paul? He gets criticized for what he's choosing to do. And in this moment, Paul reminds them very clearly That there's only one thing for you and I when it comes to our yeses. The most important thing that matters is not the opinion of people. It's not the opinion of yourself or your own heart because it can be deceiving. It is what Jesus says to do. And so today I thought, let's look at this for a second. Let's talk about where we put our yeses, why we do that, and what Jesus has for us the better way. And I'm going to use the trip, so you wonder, well, how does this relate to Romania? The trip, obviously, there's some stories I have that impact this as examples, so I'm going to give you that as we go along today. But here's the first thing you see in this. Paul, in the first part of the passage, talks about boasting, right? He talks about boasting. Um, You know, our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience. We have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. The first thing you see in this passage when he talks about this boasting idea is that um, our yes is dictated by how we boast. So I, I wrote down God's priorities have to be first when it comes to our yeses. Because where we put our yes is going to be how we boast. All right? So the way we do this is very simple if you think about it. Think about the average conversation you either have or you have with somebody else. And think about what they boast in. What they boast in is where the majority of their yeses are going to go. So there's good things in life, right? Like our families. Man, I mean, if you ask me how my family's doing, I'm going to boast in Shiloh and Charlie. Um, Maybe Charlie not so much when he's crying or giving us a hard time. But, you know, I'm going to take my opportunity to boast in them as best I can, right? Because I love my children. I spend time on them. I spend resource on them. So I'm going to boast in them a lot. I'm going to boast in you guys as part of my occupation being a pastor. Anybody ask me about New Orleans and Calvary, I'm always talking about you. And boasting about you. I want people to know what God's doing. And you may do this with your workplace or your career. What God's doing there. There's great things like your relationships and your friendships. And people that are around you that you love and support you. That you want to boast in. There's all these things we talk about. But the question in all these things. Is that when we boast in these things. Are we boasting in the people? Or are we boasting in what God's doing in the people around us? It's a real strategic change in the way we think. Because, see, Paul's trying to remind us that when he was going around in his ministry and he set the example for the early church, 
that our boasting should be in how we interact with the world. And perhaps in this room today, you're coming in and you're going, man, because of some ways in which I've lived my life and some previous things I boasted in, I don't have a whole lot of things to boast in. I met a young man this morning outside that didn't have a whole lot to boast about in life because of decisions he's made. I think about some of my friends in Romania who have made decisions that they thought were things they could boast in, but they've left them behind. Guess what, child of God? Even good things, if not centered on God, you may boast about them today, but they will mean nothing tomorrow. And so in this, we have to ask ourselves, are we boasting in the right thing? 2 Timothy 3 says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying all its power. And Timothy writes, avoid such people. Now, hear me there. When we read this a lot of times, we think, well, that's outside of these walls, right? All these characteristics. But I want you to see a few that may hit home as they do me as I read this. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How much do we spend in our lives pursuing our own pleasure versus pursuing God? Sometimes we might be unpeasable, unappeasable. Nothing is good enough for us. Maybe we're lovers of money or lovers of ourselves. Perhaps we've been disobedient to our parents without self-control. And then I thought that last statement, having the appearance of having it all together, having godliness, but actually having none of its power, none of the power of the spirit in our lives. You see, we can say we're Christian. We can be around the church. We can have made even a profession of faith and accepted Christ into our lives. But if we do not spend our lives giving our yes to Jesus, our lives are devoid of its power. The power that is within the Holy Spirit within you to make a difference in this world, to have impact in this world, to connect with your God in a greater way than just church attendance. And we're grateful you're here. I pray you'll all come to church every week, but it goes so far behind, beyond the appearance of godliness. It goes into the power in which we seek. So as I thought about the trip, I mean, I thought about when we're on a trip like this, we see 57 salvations in a week. If you ever question why we go and why we go and spend this money, let me just say this to you. Like as a church, it is hard for us to see 57 salvations in a few years. All right. If you look at our church budget, the money we spend, all things, doesn't mean we're not supposed to do these things. I'm just telling you, if you ever question why we go focus for a week, while we go to camp next week with our teenagers, by the way, is because a lot of impact happens whenever we unplug and we focus for a week. A lot of impact can happen. That's why we spend all the money next week on camp. We don't question that. Why? Because the power in a teenager's life, even though we minister to them all year round, there's great power in focusing for a week. It doesn't negate what you do year round, but it does ask the question, where are you saying your yeses to? And where is the impact happening in your life? So ultimately, that's why we go is so we can boast in that. We can boast in what God's doing. We can boast in you guys and what you've supported. And the question before us today is, how can we become a people in this congregation 
that does this on a daily basis. That when we wake up in the morning, our yeses are about things that we will boast in God for doing. I'll give you a silly example. We get there, Audra briefly mentioned, you know, in case you weren't aware on this trip, when we got to the airport in Romania, I've never seen this before in my life. The entire flight minus five suitcases did not have luggage. The entire flight. Like, so it wasn't like just Audrey lost her suitcase. We've had that happen before. The entire flight did not get there. And I'll give you just another perspective. We sat on the tarmac in Germany for an hour waiting on the luggage. <laughs> they said, we're waiting on the luggage. We're sorry. It'll be a few more minutes. And an hour later, we take off. We get there and there's no luggage. So obviously, there was something going on in Germany. Uh, you've seen the news, et cetera, um, that we couldn't get a pass. But we get there, Right. And the question before us is, are we going to embrace challenge or are we going to boast in Christ? And it's funny, you know, I'm all, I'm all about when are we getting this luggage? How are we going to do church? I, I've got one pair of shorts left and one shirt left. How are we going to do all this stuff throughout the week if it doesn't come for three days? I mean, I'm, I'm going all that way. And the, my friend Olga, who helps us plan this trip over in Romania, I'll talk about her and her husband in a second. But my friend Olga said this, don't worry about it. Trust God. Remember that? I mean, she said that to me and some of the trip leaders right as we got there. And I thought, okay. But my, my, my planner brain's going, yeah, it'll be three days. You know, I'm going, there's no way, right? Um, minus one suitcase, the entire luggage was there within 24 hours. The entire luggage, like the whole, whole crew's luggage um, was there. And the one person who didn't have luggage was our, our main trip leader from Atlanta, One Heart, uh, Pastor Chester. He had to preach on Sunday. He preached in shorts, and guess what? They were fine. They were fine. They accepted him, embraced him, dealt with it. He, he was happy because in case you didn't know, if you're worried about the air conditioning this morning, guess what? Um, we preach in 96 degrees heat, a fully enclosed building with a suit and jacket and tie on and everything, all right? So Chester, uh, Pastor Chester was loving getting the chance to preach in shorts, right? Uh, he was embracing that. But in the midst of all this, I think to myself, how many challenges in our lives can be turned into boastings and blessings if we just say yes to Jesus? The trip before us was challenging. There's a war going on over there. COVID is still around and that, how, what the restrictions are going to be, or the, where we're going to get locked down. All that was in play leading up to the trip. Every single thing, as we said yes to Jesus, was taken care of. And even if it wasn't, we would still have reason to boast in Jesus. Even if I got stuck over there for 14 days because of some positive test, which that was all, thank goodness, not a part of the picture, guess what? Even with those challenges that we worry about, guys and ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, Paul is reminding the church in Corinth in this moment of question, and he's reminding us, don't be one of these people in the last days who look all godly, but spend your life embracing everything else but God. Spend your life questioning everything but saying yes to Jesus, spend your life saying yes to what Jesus is telling you to do. Because here's what 1 Corinthians 1 says, Paul wrote. God chose to take what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, 
boast in the Lord. God takes all these excuses we have, all these questions we want to throw at him, all these things we want to do to put up a barricade against what he might do. And if you will let him tumble it all down, he will give you a reason to boast in himself. And it, for you, may not, hear me very clearly, I am not saying that if you did not go with us to Romania, that is your yes. What I'm saying to you is, what barriers are you putting up that God has presented you as opportunities that instead of being so smart and so wise in your own brain, you lay it down before the feet of God and you let him say yes to that opportunity? Because in that, that's where you can boast. Paul writes in the next part about simplicity and sincerity, and I, I've got to move on, but let me just say this. I have a moment with Ray and Allison in the, in the village church of Triumvuya. That's the best way I can say it. Audra didn't even try it, I saw, so she wasn't going after some of the names she didn't know. Um, but I think it was Triumvuya. Um, and the, the church there, um, you know, it, like I said, it was, it was just a small little church of us. Few people, handful of people, country church, they would call. But in the middle of that, I saw two members of our church with Allison and Ray give their testimony of what God's doing with great simplicity and great sincerity. And I thought about that, and I thought about boasting, and I, and I wanted to boast in them for a moment, but I also want to say this to you. Where I boast in you, Calvary, when I talk to people either in this city or at home or whatever, is when I see you tell your story about Jesus in simplicity and sincerity. You see, all these barriers we put up for sharing the gospel are because we don't know enough. They'll give us a question we don't know how to answer. They may respond to us in the wrong way. If you go before somebody with your testimony of how Jesus is working with great simplicity and sincerity, you've done what the Lord wants. And therefore, you have reason to boast. As Ray alluded to, the boy Alex, he doesn't have to see the fruit of that. He was faithful in the moment that God gives you. And he gives those to us each and every day. It's not just when you go overseas. I ultimately want you to think about this this morning. First and foremost, are you prioritizing what God prioritizes for your life? Because the next thing helps you in that. The next point that Paul talks about is this whole idea of yes and no and all this stuff he talks about. It gets pretty confusing there as he's writing. Let me simplify it for you. He's ultimately saying that you cannot say yes to everything. You have to let God's purpose focus your life. So if you know what God prioritizes and you know what to boast in, then you can focus on a purpose for your life. And guess what? Where my purpose is you guys in Romania, your purpose may look very different from me. But it's all centered in what Jesus is calling us to do. You see that? And let me just be real clear. If you say yes to everything, you'll really end up doing nothing. Uh-oh. If you say yes to everything, and this is hard. I told you about the decisions to start. But if you do that you'll ultimately do nothing. There's a business book I was reading. It's, his name's James Clear. He said this, a secular writer, not a Christian, but he even knows this. You can say yes to nearly everything that matters if you are strict to saying no to nearly everything that doesn't. You can say yes to everything that matters. In this case, for us, it's God's priorities, his purpose, but that means you have to say no to nearly everything that doesn't. And that's really hard. Think about your day for a second. Like when you wake up, the things that bombard you, if you are not prepared to say yes to Jesus, you will fail with it every single day. As a confessionalholic, I'll tell you, same right here for me. If you're not prepared to say yes to Jesus every day, 
then you will fail at it because you will ultimately say yes to something that doesn't matter. Life without purpose, by the way, is full of things we say yes to that just don't count. I mean, let's go first of all to ourselves. We spend a lot of the day worrying about ourselves, right? Selfish desire. In this moment, Paul's addressing that, you know, for him, this trip is not about his self or Timothy or Sylvanus. It's about the church in Corinth. He's focused on someone else for the sake of Christ. But if I think about our lives, a lot of times, we'll spend the majority of our mornings waking up worried about getting to work. Well, first and foremost, getting coffee or whatever your beverage is and getting food and getting to work, right? And then your task about the day, someone else dictates all the things you have to do for the day. And then your children will dictate if you have a family. All these things will pile up before you know it. You've said yes to all these things and not one thing has been thought about centered around Jesus. And so the question is not like you have to blow up your life. But the question is, how do you orient these things toward Christ? I mean, for us in Romania, you can go on the trip, and we've had people go on the trip and just have a good time, do some work, meet some people, and come home. And I can, I'm not going to share names or anything, but I know for them it was a great trip, but for them it may not have impacted the same way. Why? I tell people my first year, I really went with kind of an arm's distant length my first year. I, even as a pastor, I didn't really want to get roped into the connection that I'm in, so to speak. And then little do we know, God's got a different purpose in that. So many of us in our lives, because we're selfish, we go around life at arm's length. We spend all the things I'm talking about with children and jobs and friendships, relationships. And our faith journey is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about, talking about Jesus, we keep it at arm's length. We stay right here. We don't want to get below the surface level. Why? Most of the time, because we don't, it won't benefit ourselves. It'll create rub, friction, conflict. It may, uh, with a client, if you're in a business world, it may cause a, a rift in the relationship if you go a little bit deeper. A friendship that doesn't believe in Christ, all of a sudden you've created kind of a tension point. Talking about religion all of a sudden, right? Maybe you're in a workplace where it's not even allowed or this restricted, right? And you, you risk your career in that. Think about family. Family's some of the toughest, right? They've known you all your life, good and bad, right? When you want good relationships with family, just leave it all alone. But if you want great relationships with God, sometimes you have to rub and talk and create a little bit of friction, even when it's not. With, with simplicity and sincerity, hear me there, I'm talking about a spirit. But if you want to say yes to what God's doing, you have to say yes. We also sometimes spend our lives wandering. We don't know our purpose. We don't know how our jobs connect into what God is doing or how our family relationships connect into what God is doing. We don't spend any time asking the question of God, God, how will you use this stuff for your good and your glory? If you want to gain glory and me boast in you, how do I use all this stuff for your good? And so because of that, we just do whatever we can. We do whatever comes up because we're aimlessly wandering as a Christian in life who's been given a great purpose by God, but just don't have a clue on how to do that. And that's fair. And then lastly, not just selfishness, but sometimes you could be a selfless person and do things for all these other people. Your family, your bosses, your friends, you are a person that gives it all away, all your time. But yet none of it is focused on Jesus. None of it has any impact. As Jesus said to the woman of the well, which we studied on Wednesday in my class, right? I came not to just give you water, but to give you living water so you'll never thirst again. Sometimes we'll be selfless and give people everything they need for this life, 
but we won't speak about the one that is to come, where they will never thirst again. And I'm not saying we go over there to Romania to help people, to do things, to give them things, to give birthday presents and give parties to these orphan kids, to bring some things. But if that's all we do is feed them pizza all week, what have we done? If all I do is give a little bit of lay to a kid on his birthday, what have I done? What have I really done to help change a life? And the same is true for you. The same is true for anything you might do that you think is selfless or missional is that if you miss the purpose of God, and ultimately a life with purpose is that all these things will fit as James 4 says. He says this, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such a place and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist with a little time you appear and then you vanish. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this or that. Our lives are but a vapor, but a mist. We only have a little bit of time to do it for the Lord. So instead of planning your full day tomorrow without him, instead, ask what the Lord wills. I get a common question every year from the kids. They text me and say, are you coming to VBS this year? Kids and my friends that are translators, every time. When they found out this was going to happen actually this year, I mean a million messages. Are you coming this year? And every time, this is what I say, if the Lord wills it. Now, I had already signed up on the trip. I was already raising money. I had a plane seat ready to go, so Audrey would have killed me if I had backed out, things like that. You know, all these details being planned. It doesn't mean we don't make plans. But to promise I'll be there when I don't know what the Lord will do? I mean, if anything you should have learned from the last two years of your life is that only as the Lord wills it can you do. It has to be His purpose and His will It cannot be our own because when it's our own, we get frustrated. We get shut down. We get told what to do by other people. But if the Lord wills it, then ultimately we will do it. So I'll give you two two groups of people that I'll use as examples for this from the trip. One is my friends Olga and Dan. I've already mentioned Olga, her husband, Dan. Olga and Dan have basically adopted about, what would you say, Audra, four? Is it four orphans now? They have two of their own, two kids, and now they have six total with the orphan kids. They have a family of six. And um, they live, I think they live up in the center and helping with the Ukrainians as well. I mean, Olga and Dan, she's the one that told me about the suitcase, first of all. So she gave me that thought. They, they spend their lives asking the Lord, what is your purpose and what will you do? So much so that while we were there this time, Olga and Dan and her entire family served our food every single day we were there. Served the tables that we sat at in the church and ate. Now, why would they do that? purpose of God. Their purpose is not to serve Americans. It's because they know what we're all there to do. And they want their kids and now their adopted kids to see how to serve. So that's all purpose of God. They adopted these kids and they're challenging. And not only these kids, but they've impacted so many people I know. I've got one friend, her name's Ella. Her life is being changed because of Jesus. I told her that. She's probably going to watch this. I don't care. Ella, I told you this. Like, Her life is radical because she's decided to start saying yes to Jesus in some things. A kid who has nothing has said yes to Jesus. Now she has everything. Not in financial or monetary senses, but in relationships and in the way she interacts, the way she thinks about her life. 
because ultimately a couple has chosen to make an impact there along with all of us over the years. She said yes to Jesus, and that's purpose. My other example is a, is a woman named Delia. Delia also has some kids in a home, and I see these kids, and some of these kids you know when they're in the centers, and I see these kids now and what they're going through, and, and Delia's whole purpose is to raise them, but also to center them on Jesus. And you see their lives, and you go, yes, this is what life with purpose looks like. So for you and I, the question is, how do we relate to that? I'm not asking you to go adopt a bunch of kids today. Some of you are going, praise the Lord, I've got enough with my own, right? Like, I've got enough going on in my life, Pastor. I don't need you to tell me to do more. I'm not asking you to do more. I'm really not this morning. For my life, so I'm just going to be real transparent, I wrote down in my journal, how do I begin to turn things I'm already doing to be more yeses for Jesus? So like Shiloh, I've already got my daughter. How am I doing that more about Jesus than just about her gymnastics schedule and the camp she's going to and getting her to school on time? How is that going to be more about Jesus? Charlie, as he grows up, I wrote down in for him, how do I stop complaining about him and start embracing him for Jesus' sake? How is that young man going to be a man of God? He's a baby, in case you didn't know. He's, he's been caught on a challenge, second kid syndrome, you know. So, um... That's my own little testimony, just to my family. Church gave me better, better purpose, even as I interact in the community, gives me better purpose. My action step for you, and then I'm gonna move to my last point and be done. My action step for you is this. If you're a Christian in the room today, have you ever taken the time to ask yourself, what's my life's purpose when it comes to Christ? Patty Gerald, who just passed away, a great member of our church, you wouldn't, if you knew Patty, you knew her purpose was to make a difference for Jesus in the life of a child. And she spent all of her years serving teenage ministry because of that. The one time she went to Romania was because of that. She wanted to make a difference in the life of a child. That does not have to be your purpose. I give you those examples plus some of my own to go, are you asking the question? Has God given you a purpose? Can you define that? If not, don't think it has to be tomorrow. And don't feel bad if you haven't figured it out. But don't stop pursuing it until you get a yes. Until you know what it is. Because ultimately, it leads us to the last point, and that's this. And I won't delay you much longer. But i got to harp in on verse 20. All the promises God has given find their yes in Jesus Christ. It's simply the gospel. And the gospel is this, that this world is broken from when it was created. We have messed up. And every single one of us, no matter how your life has looked, no matter what you grew up in or what you've done with your life, we've broken it. We don't connect to God naturally on our own. And only through Jesus Christ coming and dying and resurrecting from the grave. Only by that power can we know God. Can we turn from our ways. And can we start life anew in him. And ultimately go to heaven one day when we die to be with God forever. That is the gospel. Martin Luther famously always said you should never tire Christian of hearing the gospel. In fact you should preach it to yourself every single day. Never tire of hearing it. If you don't know that gospel in your heart, if you've never accepted Christ for the first time, your yes is right there. It's to say yes to Jesus. But we can never get over the promises that Jesus fulfilled. Now, I, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through these. I have them written down. I have 47 messianic promises throughout the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled as the Messiah. 47 of them. I was going to read them all. I'm not going to do that this morning. You're welcome. If you would like them, let me know. All right? 
But listen, 47, throughout all the Old Testament books, I mean, I've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Psalms, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Hosea, Numbers, Genesis, all these promises. God was making a way for us, even though the, his people didn't get to see that. Over the time, he was making a way by promising something great to come because God knew that ultimately it doesn't get better than what he was going to do. It doesn't get better than Jesus. He was going to make a way when we couldn't meet up to his law, we couldn't meet up to his ways, he was going to make a way for us. And so for some of you in this room, you may have never actually turned from your sins, repented of them, accepted Christ, and started your life as a Christian. That yes is for you today. When we go to Romania, that's what we do. Like, I have two friends in particular that I'm praying for. I'm praying for their faith. I believe they've accepted, but boy, they've struggled. And so when I see them, one of my friends came from a train. She took a train from another town. It's probably an hour train ride to see us because we've impacted them so much. And now she's a young adult. And the only, when I saw her, we caught up a little bit, but the real only question I had for her is, how's your faith in Jesus? She gave me some answers. I pray it's legitimate. I pray her faith is rooted there. But ultimately, the only thing for her life, a life full of a lot of things that are against God, the only thing that will change that is Jesus. Another kid, a young boy that I knew, I've known him for a long time. He came to the party on Thursday. It's a great party. K. Arthur built this place in Sir Duke we went to. Um, beautiful place. Um, did, the, did kind of the orphan party carnival there this year. Um, and, you know, this party was so great because they had a photo booth. I literally stood the entire time in the photo booth with all these kids that I've seen grow up now. They're all basically aging out of the centers. My friend Guta was there, and he struggled some, and I took him aside, and Guta could speak some English, so we didn't need a translator. And my, my question for him is, how's your faith? How's Jesus working in your life? And he gave me some responses. I'm praying for him through some other things. Non-perfect lives, not trying to appear godly, but trying to follow Jesus. For us, that's a great reminder this morning that you don't have to have a perfect life. You don't have to have it all together. But you have got to say yes to Jesus. So let me just close with this scripture before we pray. Luke chapter 14. Jesus has a, has a parable he gives when it comes to saying yes. And this parable convicted me a little bit as I prepared for this for my own life. It also encouraged me in some ways as we say yes, the power in it. Jesus tells this story. It's called the parable of a great banquet. He says, it says this, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat the bread of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him this parable in response to that. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have to go buy a field and I must go out and see it. Please excuse me from your banquet. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, 
go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. There's a number of things as I, as I read that that I just want to leave you with. The first is this. Don't make excuses and be too busy for Jesus. God has invited everyone. And what he's going to do, by the way, is he's going to continue to make room. So the second thing is great. No matter what you look like, no matter how your life looks, no matter where you are, if you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time, that time is today. It's today. And he's going to continue going out and finding people time and time again to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want each and every one of you to be a person at the banquet. And I want each and every one of you to be like those servants. Finding people that need to say yes to Jesus. From the highways, from the hedges, from the poor, the lame, and the crippled. Let's be a church that says yes to the purpose that God has for us so that at the end of our days when our lives are spent the only yeses that will matter are the ones that ultimately said yes to Jesus let's pray together with every head bowed and every eye closed I first want to make it very clear that the first yes to Jesus has to be a relationship with him. The way in which we do that here is, is, is through a prayer. It's a chance to go before God, to tell him that you know you've messed up and to tell him that you confess to fall in Jesus today. There's nothing magical or mystical about this prayer except that your heart has to change. In this moment, you're asking God to help your heart change. So if you'd like to join the family of faith today, you'd like to say yes to Jesus for the very first time in your life, you would go before God and say something like this. God, I love you and I know I've messed up. I know my life is incomplete without you. So today I realize that I need Jesus. So I confess to turn from my ways today and I ask Jesus to come into my life to save me and to ultimately create a new path for my life today. Thank you, God, for saving me. With nobody looking around, I just want to be able to celebrate with you if you prayed that prayer. So I'm going to ask you to do something that's a little bit um, stepping out in faith if you prayed that prayer this morning. I want to be able to pray for you if this is your first time. So with everybody, uh, eyes closed, nobody looking around, I'd just like for you to slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer so that I can pray for you. I don't even have to know your name, but I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those three people that raised their hand, they entered the kingdom of God today. That's amazing. For the rest of you in the room, if you know Christ, as I've been talking, I pray that you've been doing business with God about your purpose so that as you leave today, you'll say yes to him. 
Perhaps it's through our church. Perhaps it's in your own life, some personal way. I know God will speak to you if you pursue him and you ask him. He will give you a yes, even as you leave this room. So God, we thank you as we've done business with you today, as we've heard from your word. We thank you for our new brothers and sisters who entered your kingdom today. God, we praise you for new life, both here and in Romania. God, we ask you that as we all try to find our way as Christians in this life, as people that are following you, God, will you speak to our hearts? Will you give us purpose? Will you help us along the way as we struggle and stumble? And and, uh, God, ultimately, I pray that instead of just being yes people to everything else in our lives, God, we'll say yes to you each and every day. So thank you for doing that for our team in Romania. And God, I pray that for all these wonderful people in our church today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a great morning, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I love the Sundays after something great happens where God does something great because you just have to share it. You heard from the team today, you just have to share it because when God's at work, it's just worth sharing. And that's who we are as a church. Uh, Today, perhaps you have asked the question even of yourself, how's my faith? Where am I saying yes to Jesus? There's a few practical ways that I think are important. Some of you, uh, you just took that first yes step to Jesus by saying, I want to begin a relationship with you. And so if you've made that commitment today, that is an eternal step for you. That is huge, but it impacts this life. Um, Perhaps others, you've been saying, um, what is my next step? In the front of the chair, in front of you, there is a response card. And, And here's what I would like for you to do. It's one thing to make a private decision. And that's important. But it's another thing to take action step with what God has said to your heart. Today, perhaps you've committed your heart to Christ. We would like to help you along that journey, follow up with you on that. Uh, Maybe you've realized it's time to take the next step in community. And so you want to be a part of a faith-growing Bible study group here at Calvary. You need to take that step. Maybe it's membership. Maybe you're here looking for a church home. Maybe you're out there in our online family and you need to take the action step of getting back into community and church. Let me just encourage you, take that response card. And there are places on there, very specific, where there are new steps that maybe they're new for you to say yes to God. And mark that box. Or maybe it's something else. Even this week, I had someone write in, this is where I'm at. And I want to take this step. And somebody will follow up with you because we want to help you. That's why we're here to help God's children take the next step with him, to be on mission with Jesus, to change the world. Um, I saw a number this week, 9.1. You know what 9.1 is? Many of you, you've watched the news this week, and that number 9.1 is how much extra you're spending on your life to do life right now, 9.1. It's actually more, but that's kind of a baseline so that you don't get scared away in everything, 9.1. And you know what I immediately thought about when I saw that 9.1? I thought of the number 10. And you know why I thought of the number 10? Because I thought the reality of what's happening in our world is that people are spending their tithe to do life. You're spending what would be a tenth 
of your income to do life. But you know what? When I heard that number, I thought, well, man, it's going up, etc. But what's God's is God's. How do we do what we just did, what you just heard? I mean, the reality is, Pastor Bo said, not everybody can go. Not everybody wants to go. But maybe part of you realizing, okay, God, what is my purpose? Is that, hey, I want to support a church that's doing that. And that's why I want to give. Tomorrow morning, our teenagers are actually going to go to camp, right? We're sending our students to camp. Another focused moment. Um, 5 a.m., by the way, they got to be here, right? So that's early. Why do all of that? Why the sacrifice? Because that's where God is going to work. Students will get saved this week. Um, let me encourage you. Give. Be faithful with your tithe. Be faithful with your offerings above and beyond your tithe. Because when you're doing that, that's how you see 57 people come to know Christ. For those of you that have been faithful in giving, thank you. For those of you who are like, what's my next yes step? Hey, cut back on the app purchases, right? Maybe cut back on the dinner. Yep, we're all cutting back. I don't fill up my gas tank the whole way, right? It's just a psychological thing. But I'll tell you what I'm not going to cut on. God. Let me encourage you. Maybe that's your next step is to say, you know what? Yeah, I've been, I've been looking at all this obstacle. And yet the opportunity is to be a part of a church, a mission, a purpose to see God do even greater, even in the midst of a difficult world full of all that's going on. God, I'm going to commit to your purpose and I'm going to say yes. So maybe that's your response today. Whatever it is, it's been a great day for us as the children of God, each and every one of us, each and every one of us, to hear his spirit say that our next response is yes. Let's stand to our feet. And I'd just like to pray that blessing that we sang over you. So God, may it be true that your face would shine upon your children who say yes. God, may it be true that your grace and your mercy would flow to your children who say yes to you. God, may we truly experience in the midst of this world, a peace that comes from you that is beyond the understanding of the world. It is the peace of your power, your presence, and your salvation giving us purpose in this world. May we truly experience that as we say yes to you. And we thank you as one family of faith on mission with you, Jesus, to change our world. Now go with us and may we live that mission in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all and good day.